All right, folks, welcome in. Happy Friday. Hope everyone has had a fantastic week. And for those of you who are rejoining us from Wednesday, welcome in. For those of you who are new here, welcome in. Be sure to hit the subscribe button on the Rams Edge page. Also, be sure to follow me on here, uh, Jake Ellenbogen. Welcome. We are going to be talking about the Rams rookie draft class, and I understand we have already done that, but we're going to be doing it a little bit differently today. And anybody is welcome to come on, uh, hit the uh, the button to call in. I'm more than happy to bring in people to talk about the draft class, but we're going to be talking about roles, you know, evaluating which roles these Rams rookies are going to have. I actually just got off the uh, the Zoom with one of the rookies in this draft class, uh, Alexis Kraft, and I just interviewed Daniel Hardy. So that'll be coming to you uh, at some point down the road. But I am very excited to dive into all of these prospects. I've uh, been watching a lot of tape. Um, have a Daniel, or not Daniel, but I have a Logan Bruss. Uh, about eight films, uh, eight, eight entire games of film uh, watched, cut up, and, uh, you know, kind of gone through and narrated over. I have that video coming out at some point on my YouTube channel, but I've been doing a lot of work, uh, you know, just trying to get the best scope of, of what these guys can do in LA. Um, and I think, you know, it's probably best to start off, uh, where these guys, you know, chronologically where they come in and I'm going to start off with Logan Bruss, guy that I just mentioned, look, you know, sick, obviously third round pick one Oh four. This is somebody who, uh, you know, I think when you look at him, he's a plug and play right guard. And I think, you know, when you, you look at the Rams and losing two starters, I think it's very important to have somebody like this in a draft where you trade away your first, your second, um, you know, you obviously trade away your third as well. Part of that trade for, to get Von Miller, uh, you trade away, uh, you know, another pick for uh, Sony Michelle. So I think it's very important for them to get ahead, and, and they did that going right ahead and getting Logan Bruss. We have our first caller of the night, and it is Logan, my friend Logan. He's been on before. Uh, Logan, welcome to Ram's Edge. What are your thoughts on Logan Bruss and his role in 2022? Do you have kind of the same thought process as me, where this guy's going to come in and right away be the replacement for Austin Corbett, or will the Rams look elsewhere? Um, I think it will be a won't be looking elsewhere. I think they'll keep it within what's already in the roster. I think Coleman Shelton will initially get the start, but they'll eventually kind of transition Bruss into that starting role. I'm not. I think Coleman Shelton's just a one year contract, if I'm correct. So as soon as Coleman Shelton leaves, I think Logan Bruss will take over that spot there. Um, ideally, Rob Havenstein resigns this year. Uh, I prefer during the regular season and just kind of make sure that entire offensive line is under contract for a little bit longer because um, who am I think I'm forgetting someone I know because Brian Allen resigned Joe Note Boone um, Logan Bruskin run guard who else am I forgetting that runs guard well, I think you might be forgetting. I don't know if you're thinking of him as a guard, but the Rams have already mentioned that uh, Tremaine Ankrum, former seventh round pick at tackle, is going to compete for guard. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not thinking of Ankrum. Who Who else was on the starting offensive? Is it Corp? Am I thinking of Corbett? 
Corbett's gone. He's he's yeah, with Corbett's the Panthers. Gone. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who lined up next to across from Corbett then at guard? Why am I forgetting his name? David Edwards. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how much longer Edwards is under contract for, but ideally I'd like to see that all signed up this year so we can have don't have to worry about offensive line at all for the next two to three years, which would be super nice. Um and then uh I could see Bruss kind of like I said, transitioning him into that starting role. Um because you know McVeigh said he thinks he'll start day one. Personally, I don't want a rookie offensive lineman from the third round starting day one, just because that's not really how I would like to see things. Even if he is good, I would prefer for him to kind of get adjusted to everything first, get adjusted to the NFL, and then see him make that switch to starter. But, you know, you got to trust McVay with stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I tend to lean towards McVeigh in that regard, not just because it's McVeigh, but, you know, just based on what I watched, um, you know, I saw a guy that also is a better tackle than giving credit for. I think everyone just kind of assumed he can, you know, he needs to be kicked in at guard, and, and that is the only way he'll succeed in the NFL. I think it's far from the truth. I think this is a guard tackle, uh, very similar to, you know, you look at Havenstein when they got him. Um, and on top of that, I think Edwards and Corbett, you know, Corbett was a, a center guard tackle. So, I mean, he could really do it all. But um, and I don't think Bruss's best path is offensive tackle, but it does add some flexibility. And when you're you're drafting a guy like Bruss in the third, it definitely helps. So I look at Daniel Bruss or Daniel Bruss, Logan Bruss. I keep doing that. Uh, Logan Bruss. I look at Logan Bruss. Day one, he will be the starting right guard. Um, I think it was the way to kick off the draft because you're getting a guy that's right off the bat. He's coming from a school that you're comfortable drafting from. Let's just start off with that because they already have, uh, you know, a few guys there in Havenstein and Edwards. Now, I understand Sean McVay didn't draft Havenstein, but, you know, obviously less need. He's developed these connections. I remember the big thing was the Rams, you know, they're always going to draft those Auburn guys because the less need connection there and, you know, the uh, Jeff Fisher connection. And now it's really Wisconsin offensive linemen. Um, and I think a main reason for that is because they tend to look for, you know, run maulers or at least go after guys that can help in the running game. And I think Wisconsin offensive linemen tend to, because they're such a run-heavy scheme, you know, they go after – guys like Jack Cohn to be their quarterback, they're not going to sit there and, you know, have a guy like, you know, Trevor Lawrence. So because of that, they're very run heavy. And I think when you have that experience, you know, yeah, you, you tend to feel like you, it's one of those things where, you, you know, you have a go-to thing where you go to the grocery store and it's this is the item of choice, right? You always go there. This is what you get when you're hungry. Well, the Rams, this is their item of choice. When they're hungry for, you know, a run blocking, a true run mauler, uh, they're going to go after the Wisconsin offensive lineman. Yeah, and I do think eventually at some point in time, um, it's going to get to the point where they're going to miss on one pick. It might be a later round pick. I hope it's a later round pick. But then they'll stray away from the Wisconsin offensive line. It's just, I just think it's a cycle that will find its way because I don't. I can't name a single player on our team right now that's from Auburn. Like yeah. I know you brought up Auburn, but it's going to run its course. So I think as fans, it would be interesting if we started placing our bets on what the next pipeline to the Rams will be, and 
Um, I honestly think it's going to be those HBCUs and those um, lower level FCF schools like what we had with Chris Garrett and then Daniel Hardy. Um, Cause we, I believe Robert Rochelle went to an HBCU and then Jacoby Bryant obviously went to an HBCU. So I think they're starting to get a run on some of those smaller schools um, to eventually make that switch over there. Yeah, I definitely hear what you're saying. And I think, you know, we kind of tried to force the envelope last year, uh, you know, trying to make, you know, basically Stanford the next uh, (laughs) pipeline because we had the connection with uh, Carberry, but you know, it turned out the Rams just like good football players. They don't need the familiarity factor necessarily. They just really like Bruss. And I'm sure, you know, Wisconsin played a part in it, but I don't think it, it, it was, you know, the end-all be-all. Because if it was, then the familiarity factor, you know, with the Kentucky guys and having Liam Cohen as offensive coordinator, you thought they might have been more interested in a guy like Parham, who they passed on, uh, you know, maybe Fortner, they trade up and get, somebody like that. Uh, same thing with last year with, with Carberry, you think maybe if, if they have that, you know, interest and they care a lot, maybe more than other teams about the familiarity factor, you would have thought maybe like, you know, a Walker Little is in play, uh, Drew Dahlman, guys like that. So the Rams have gone back to back drafts where the familiarity factor really hasn't mattered. So I am impressed by that because there are teams that, like the Patriots, you know that they're going to pick a Rutgers guy or sign a Rutgers guy. They have so many. Uh, there's just a connection there. But, you know, there, there's not really anything like that with the Rams. I think Wisconsin's kind of like a fun thing. I know they got a Michigan State offensive tackle that we'll talk about a little bit later in RJ, uh, AJ Arcuri, uh, you know, just like Brian Allen. But I don't think it really has a ton to do. I mean, they might just like Big Ten offensive linemen. And I think that's totally fine. I, I think there, there's – there's some truth to going out and getting a Big Ten offensive lineman and knowing this guy is going to you know, have some tenacity and, and be you know, hardened because they play a different type of style all across the board those teams do. So, um, you know, I, I could definitely see that. But looking at, you know, Bruss's role this year before we get into the next pick, uh, how do you see this working out if they do start? You, Logan, you're telling me you're not really the biggest fan of him starting right away. You prefer to go with more of a, you know, kind of a relaxed approach with him, not throw him into the fire. Uh, but because you're kind of against where they would go, do you, could you see Logan Bruss having a down year, not living up to expectations in year one? Or do you think kind of like what I'm thinking is that he's going to be a good plug and play guy, not going to be a pro bowler necessarily his rookie year. Cause that's ridiculously hard, but uh, he'll be a really good starter for them if they do decide to start him right away. Well, honestly, it starts. The schedule is so big in deciding with, especially with a rookie offensive lineman. Um, because if we do face a team like Buffalo or we face Denver or someone like that, I don't want a rookie guard starting right away, especially against those front lines. I uh, prefer a veteran with that, like I guess that matchup, but. I don't like with Ernest Jones last year. He he wasn't an immediate starter. He played time, but he wasn't like that guy right away. He flourished at the end of the year, which I could see we could maybe run some like six linemen packages with Bruss, maybe sub him out with Shelton a little bit. Um, Kind of like a snap count, I guess, for him. 
to get adjusted to everything. But I'm sure the entire team, the entire like scouting team, is confident in Bruss. Which you know, if they do start him, then that's cool. You know, I if, from my standpoint, I don't really like starting rookies in general, especially if they're mid late round picks. It's just something I've always kind of tend to shy away from. Um, for whatever reason, it's just, it might just be the bias that, you know, they're a third round pick, they're a fourth round pick. I don't think they're going to do that well. Uh, unless they like show out and practice and show that they're going to be like one of the best guards in the league, kind of like what we saw with Creed Humphrey last year. I personally just wouldn't risk it, you know, um, rather have a more a, a ready rookie than a rookie to get thrown in the fire. That makes sense. Well, like, I understand there's definitely risk involved when you start a rookie. Um, but obviously, this is a team that just simply doesn't care. Uh, when you look, go back to 2020, I don't think anybody thought Jordan Fuller was going to start his rookie year, a sixth-round pick. Um, so I, I, I think what does come into the play is that you can draft guys like a Fuller in the sixth round or a Bruss in the third that are more starter-ready players then maybe guys who get drafted in the first and second. Because I think what comes to, what it comes down to is never really about whether the guy can start or not. I've seen guys go late in the draft because they just don't have a high ceiling. Like you feel like, oh, their floor, you know, they have a high floor, but they're just not going to get much better. And then you got to ask yourself and have an internal discussion within the organization whether or not that's good enough. Is it good enough to grab a guy in the second round who – plug and play, you know, will be potentially a pro bowler someday, but this is as good as he's going to get, or is it better to not get a guy like that and go more upside? And I think what you find is a lot of these teams, they kind of mix and match, you know, some teams, you know, go more upside. Some teams go more uh, NFL ready. I think the Rams have been going more NFL ready. When you look at most of the guys they draft, they're older. Um, You know, they played in senior bowls. They played in, PA games and Shrine Bowls, things like that. So they have that experience going against top top competition. Uh, you know they're they're older, like Cooper Cup. You know, twenty four year old rookie. You know, they, that's ten, like they tend to do that more often than not. And so I think Bruss comes in right away. He'll start, and then I think this next guy that we're going to talk about here, and anybody that wants to call in, you're more than welcome to. Um, but, Logan, we're going to talk about your thoughts on Kobe Durant because I personally have just started to like him more and more and more every time I look at more tape on him. Uh, he, he's a fun study, you know, very, very fast. Um, I think he's quicker than he tested. Again, I've, I've always said the test, you know, those numbers, those athletic measurements, they're based on how well guys actually did with the test, not necessarily – uh, you know, what they really are, because some guys just aren't very good at, you know, those tests at, at, you know, doing that. And so I think he's got a little bit of everything you want in a nickel, but I think he's got enough, enough experience on the boundary where this guy could develop very similarly to Darius Williams, uh, who just left them for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He could develop very similarly in that he could play inside out. Yeah, that was my first thought too, initially was Jacoby Duran is basically just a younger 
uh, Darius Williams in pretty much every single aspect. You know, they're smaller, but they play on the ball. They're very aggressive um, ball hawks. Um, they've got kind of slow speed. Well, not slow speed, silent speed, where they might not pop out as fast, but they are fast guys. And I think with the Troy Hill edition, it's going to be great for Jacoby to get mentored into a good nickel role, like you said. I definitely agree. And I think when you're in that DB room, you have to feel good about his long-term future. Uh, On top of that, you have to feel good about Jonathan Cooley, who's going to help in the secondary as well as Shula. Um, So, you know, I think it's, uh, it's a really good, uh, you know, I think it's a really good setup for him as far as development, as far as, you know, not just becoming a contributor, but becoming something more. And when you look at the speed, that's great for recovery purposes. It's great for sticking downfield. Like, I'm pretty sure he could cover, a, you know, a Tyree Hill, you know, as far as his speed's concerned. But, you know, then you start to get into, uh, you know, tackling and his explosiveness. And I think this is somebody that shows the short area burst to to really make those tackles that you see Jalen make, where he may not be 200 pounds, he may not lay the wood, but he's a guy that he tackles pretty well for his size. And, you know, he's around, he's like 5'9 and 7'8, so basically 5'10 and buck 80. The Rams have already said they, they want to add some weight to him. So now you have a guy that's 5'10, he runs a 4'3", he tackles well, you know, he's going to add maybe 10, 15 pounds. And you start to see, okay, this guy not only has a pathway onto the roster this year, not only has a pathway into the lineup as a nickel, but he's got a future someday. If Rochelle does not work out, they're the same round designation. So if Rochelle doesn't work out, don't be surprised if Durant is starting across from Ramsey because this Hill thing, I love that they got Troy Hill. It's a one-year thing. It's just basically patching up. You know, you feel like you need a, a more experienced player in that scheme, and you don't feel like Rochelle, who's a former wide receiver, is ready, and you don't feel like there's anybody else that's ready to, to start alongside Ramsey. So you go out and get Hill, but he's a one-year thing. So I think Durant has a chance to really carve out a long-term role in this secondary. Well, I really think that the Hill role was definitely a mentorship trade. It was, it, like you said, it was to patch up the defense because, you know, Darius Williams leaving. Um, you saw what Darius Williams did in 2020 alongside Hill. Um, if they could replicate what they did there, basically replicating number one off defense in the league and probably number one offense, just depending on how injuries play out. Um, I personally, I like the idea um, – that Robert Rochelle and Jacoby kind of fight for each other next year. Like they're obviously they're going to be a position battle for number two, but they're both can learn off of Jalen Ramsey. Like already said uh, a tweet I saw was Jacoby. He's just ready to get with Jalen Ramsey. And that's, I didn't see that from Rochelle last year. Just the fact that Jacoby Durant is dead set on playing with Jalen Ramsey, learning from him. He seems like a guy that is just going to be underneath Jalen's wing 24-7, probably going to have the same diet as him once he has that 15 pounds, just mimic every single move. Um, and then Robert Rochelle across, really it could be 
Jalen stays Jalen, Jacoby becomes a younger Troy Hill, and then Rochelle becomes a younger Darius Williams, who's just not as good. And you have that core locked up along with Nick Scott or Jordan Fuller or whoever comes in at safety these next few years. You could be looking at really, really good secondary. I agree. I, I definitely agree. And, and I think, you know, I think as fans, uh, we, we may have been a little spoiled. Uh, you know, oh, Bradbury here and uh, a, a Matthew here and a Stephon Gilmore here. But in reality, this is how the Rams want to build their secondary. You know, they, they've kind of gone away from the – and really, this is where the NFL is going. This is the, re- the direction they're going because this is how you're going to stop those quick slants. This is how you're going to stop guys like Debo Samuel. You're going to get slower, you know, uh, shorter guys that are faster, you know. You're not going to go after the, the tall guys that maybe aren't as quick. And I think that's uh, that's a big thing, you know. I think that's why a guy like Tariq Woolen falls in the fifth round because, you know, he's six foot four. He runs a 4-2. You know, there's a lot of excitement about, you know, his overall skill set. Um, I, I think that there are teams out there that really, they value more of the Chris Harris type guys. You know, when Chris Harris was a Pro Bowl, uh, you know, nickel for the Broncos, you know, that is where the league is going. You're seeing a lot more, like Jair Alexander, he's 5-11. You know, he's not huge. Jalen Ramsey is different because he plays DB. He's essentially, he does it all in the secondary. But the league is leaning more towards the the shorter, quicker corners. And I think that's why that they decided to just, you know what? We're not going to go after Gilmore. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do that. We're just going to trust our instincts here. We're going to trust our scouting department. We're going to trust our coaching staff. And we're going to have more fun developing guys. And, yeah, we'll trade for Troy Hill while we're at it because, yeah, we could use him. But just because we could use another veteran doesn't mean we have to go out and get the most expensive veteran. And even though the Amazon money is coming in next year and the cap is going to get even bigger, I think that was a smart move by the Rams. And I don't think it's something that's talked about enough because I think people are annoyed that they didn't go out and get a big name when in reality – how much more is a Gilmore, uh, Matthew, Bradbury offering than Hill? A little bit more, no doubt. But is it a win more? Is it two wins more? I don't think so. And that's that's the thing. When you've built a team like the Rams have, if you add these big players, you're not going to get that much better when it comes to wins. Like, I'm using this stat from 2K just because it, kind of relates to this, but they have a win share stat or something like that, where it will tell you how many more wins a player will get, whether it's plus or minus. And I know it's not anything like the NFL, but when you want to relate that to free agent signings, those guys are only going to get you one more win at the most. And you're in a division where, you know, the 49ers, who knows what's going to happen with Debo Samuel. They could be trending downhill. Seattle has tanked. Arizona is in limbo. Um, you know, this year we're playing uh, this a- NFC South. So only really one or two of those teams are contenders. Um, and then also playing, you know, we play the AFC West this year, which is going to be interesting. Uh, you really don't need all, every single big name player. I think from the f- original year, where we had Aqib Talib, Marcus Peters, um, 
Robert Woods, Andrew Whitworth all joining the team or within two year period, we got spoiled and we're like, yeah, we'll get everybody. Um, more often or not, it's just jokes now, but still, like, there's some people that don't realize that the more big name players you add doesn't mean you're gonna go undefeated. In reality, it'll get you one or two more wins, and that's why it's nice getting a tr- guy like Troy Reader who he's gonna get you that extra win, and he's gonna come at ten to- uh ten times lower or ten percent of the cost of a guy like Tyron Matthew or Stephon Gilmore. Well, yeah, absolutely, and you know I think think that that's a that's a big key component here. This is how you stay afloat. You know, this is how you're not trying to build a, a championship team for this year or last year. You're trying to build it for the long term. You know, you're trying to be the next dynasty, and that's where I see the Rams going. The direction I see them going in the draft has changed has not changed my mind. Um, who they went after in free agency has not changed my mind. This team very well uh, could be the next dynasty in the NFL. And I know people get kind of worried when you start using those terms, but I'm just saying, you know, the way that this team is building, you can tell they they have dynasty in mind. They have long-term success in mind. Um, now, you know, we, we talk about Logan us being potentially talk about Jacoby Durant having a pretty decent role, I would say, right off the get-go. I, I would probably say he does end up starting in some capacity. Um, so now you go to the fifth round, and the Rams have kind of a rare trade up where you know, they haven't at this point really traded down. They picked two guys in their position. I thought they were at least going to trade down from their third-round pick, but they had not traded down at this point. Then they trade up to get Kyron Williams, the running back out of Notre Dame. Um, I want to get your thoughts on this because I, uh, if you've seen my reaction to this pick, you've seen Alexis's, you know where we stand. But, <laughs> I, I saw it. I saw that. You know, that, was, uh, that, that was a very enjoyable experience to watch both you and Alexis just loving every second of it. You know, you called it and then you uncalled it and then, you know, Alexis did call it, which – you know, it was just fun to watch, which also goes to show your dynamic with Alexis just makes, you know, you two are just such a great combination together and it works so well. That's why I enjoy your content. Um, but I appreciate that. I love, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you like that. You're, you're awesome. <laughs> um, I love <laughs> appreciate that, man. I, 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 I watch, I, cause I, you know, every, I assume most people do this especially because I've had so much going on that I haven't been able to like do a good uh, deep dive into this draft class. I saw Kyron Williams tape and I'm like, Oh my gosh, he's, he's the guy. He's, he is that guy. And so I was instantly pumped instantly made my own highlight reel on my phone. Um, took about an hour and a half, but you know, that's what happens when you use a phone (laughs) and, I love every bit of him. He's he's silent, fat, uh, sneaky, fast. He's got great run blocking. He's great in the passing game. Could be a little bit better when it comes to churning the legs. You know, like fighting for that extra yardage. But I love this pick so much, and especially the fact that he that Les Need wanted to trade up for him goes to show how high they are on him. 
Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think that there was obviously some concern that he was going to go to one of those teams that he had a pre-draft uh, visit with. And so they felt the need to trade up. Yeah, Kyron Williams is a little bit of everything. You know, he obviously, the biggest issue is that he didn't test well. And, I mean, we could sit here and talk about 40 time and all, but how easy is it to just have one bad day? where, you know, you're, you're not feeling well, and all of a sudden a tenth of a second is just, you know, it's, that's the difference. So, I mean, I'm not going to put too much into his 40 time because I watched the tape, and he's blown by everybody. I mean, he's not the most blazing fast running back, but he's running by literally everybody on the UNC defense uh, on that one play where, you know, he takes it to the, the left and uh, goes down the sideline. You still don't know how he's able to do it. Um, his ability, you know, obviously he's developed – as a, uh, you know, more of a powerful back, I think, as the time went on at Notre Dame. Um, But he's also slippery in space. You know, he's got wiggle. Um, He's hard to bring down. And that's just him as a runner. But then you have, you look at him and you, you grab a guy like this and now all of a sudden you're telling me this rookie can come in and pass protect better than my starter can? Well, now we're talking. And I think that's a big reason, especially in this Sean McVay offense, why they went out and they got it. Yeah. And a day after um, that pick, I was talking with some other Rams fans and I went out and said, I would not be shocked if Darrell Henderson gets traded in the middle of training camp. Like if Kyron Williams just flat out performs better than all the running backs, why not trade a guy on the last year of his rookie deal for a sixth round pick or a seventh round pick? You know, like if he's essentially a younger version of him, why not get some value out of him instead of a comp pick? Like, you know, it's uh, it's an interesting thing because I think you could do that and you'd be more comfortable doing that. If Jake Funk showed any semblance of development in the offensive game, and, uh, you know, Cam Akers wasn't coming off a, a really tough injury. Because I don't think Cam Akers has shown you enough, you know, coming from that injury, I don't know if he's shown you enough for him to be considered, like, by far the start. Like, I, I still think that's up for grabs. And I think without Daryl Henderson, they probably don't win the Super Bowl. So it's it's tough because, you know, in a perfect world for the Rams – you know, Cam Akers never gets hurt and you're not having to really worry about that. You're at this point, you're probably like, okay, you never trade for Sony Michelle. So you probably have, you know, two picks that you trade away. So you feel a little bit better about that. Maybe you don't even get Kyron, but because of the injury, because of the uncertainty in the running back room, Kyron Williams can kind of push those guys down the board a little bit. And I'm not saying he will, but I think Cam Akers showed us, the ability at the end of his rookie season that he could end up being a star. But since then, we haven't seen that. And I understand he got hurt, but that's what have you done for me lately type deal, you know? So I don't feel like we can just pencil him in as like the bona fide franchise running back when, to be honest, I don't feel comfortable with. Him, I don't really feel overly comfortable with Henderson, and I'm a bigger fan of Henderson because he offers more than Akers. Because Akers is 
he he just he needs to get better in pass protection. That is without a doubt, you know, a concern. But you know, I I think that's a legitimate thing where you know you look at Kyron now he offers everything, and you have some guys on your roster right now like Cam Bakers that don't, and I think that's uh, it opens up the door for sure. Yeah, I'll, I, you know, you bring up some great points there. Um, I kind of forgot about Sonny Michelle not being a part of the active roster or on the roster itself. Um, but I think we're also forgetting about guys like Graham and Calais and somebody else I'm forgetting about, which just goes to show, you know, that we're forgetting how banged up our running back room was yeah. last year. And also, K-Makers, he really only had – four games to even show what it was like coming off the Achilles tear because he played a little bit in the San Fran game, played a little – I don't even think he played in the Minnesota or Baltimore game. He did so, not. He's really only had four games. He played okay against Arizona. You know, he's just known for that hit on Buda Baker. Um, he didn't play great at all against Tampa, especially with those fumbles. But, you know – you went against two run-stopping teams at the back half of the season. You can't really show much about how you can't really show how much you've improved since coming off that Achilles tear. But I think you know I trust the medical staff enough to really think that Cam Makers can be that guy. Um, he just needs a little bit of time from the fans to realize. He just needs a second to get back to things because in all reality, he would have basically taken a year off and had some light conditioning and training, except everybody was watching. Yeah, um, I, I hear you there. And, and you know, I think a, a big problem there was that the Bengals, they sold out to stop the run. So no one was going to have a good day running the ball then. Um, one more thing, Logan, before I bring in uh, Hugh here, who we do have another caller. Um, and I appreciate you being on for the majority of the show. Um, you know, just kind of wrapping it up here before we get into all of the other picks. How do you think, how many starters do you think? And I'm not talking this year, but how many starters out of the eight draft picks did the Rams get in your, in your opinion? How many, it, it can be until the end of the rookie deal. Like how many starters did the Rams truly draft in 2022? Well, I think Bruss is a starter. Dakobe will be a starter. Kyron will be a starter. Um, I think De'Aaron Kendricks will be a starter. Um, I think Russ Yeast will be a great special teams guy. And Quentin Lake will probably find his way into the starting rotation because of injury or something like that. But I think there's only really two guys that I don't think will start. And that's A.J. Curry and uh, Daniel Hardy. Hardy, just because he is su- has such raw talent that it's going to take probably five years to even get him on the off the practice squad and onto the actual roster to like even get playing time. And then Curry is going to be like a Tremaine Ancrum thing from two, three, however many years ago it was, where he kind of was just the best available player or on their board and just took him because, you know, it was the late seventh round. Yeah, certainly interesting. Um, I'm going to bring in Hugh, but really do appreciate you uh, calling in, Logan. Uh, be sure to 
check in. Well, obviously, if you're not going anywhere, so you don't have to go anywhere. But be sure to check in on Sunday. We'll be doing this again. We'll also take in calls. So uh, thanks again, man. Always a pleasure talking with you. Yeah, thanks. Always nice talking with you, too. I'll see you next time. Sounds good. All right, so that was our friend Logan. He's called in for the second time on the show. And now we bring in Hugh, who, based on the avatar uh, he was rocking, is a uh, pretty big Rams fan. How's it going, How's Hugh? It going? Uh, hey, Jake. How's it going? I'm doing good. Um, I have one quick question. Is out of, our, out of the corners we drafted in this draft, which of them do you think will start – if one of them starts, which which one do you think would start this year? Out uh, of the corners they drafted, which one will I think they would most likely to start? Um, yeah. I would definitely say Jacoby Durant without hesitation. I think when you, you look at what he brings to the table, um, you know, he already played in some, some big games, notably Clemson, did really well against Clemson. Um, you know, I think this is somebody that can play inside, outside. The speed is not an issue at the NFL level in both just his play speed, but also just his mental, uh, you know, processing speed. I think he's ready for the game. I don't think he's going to have really much of a drop-off. Obviously, you're playing cornerback, which is one of the hardest positions to play as a rookie, but I think he's the most ready of the corners they drafted. Darion Kendrick, I will not be surprised if he's on the practice squad. I think it's going to take him some time. Um, I don't really see a pathway for him making the roster unless they keep six or seven corners. It's going to be tough for him to get on the, the 53. I'll, I'll say that. Well, thanks, Jake. Absolutely. Thank you for calling in. Appreciate it. So now um, we move on to the next the next. You know, we talk about all sorts of guys, right? We talk about Logan Bruss. We talk about, you know, we just mentioned Darion Kendrick a little bit. Um, I'm curious if I have somebody. Let's see. I feel like I have somebody in here, but, (laughs) but Colin is not letting me know if there's anybody in here. I think, Hugh, you're still in the chat. I don't know if... I mean, I could be wrong, but... Or Logan. Okay. I think it was Hugh. All right. Uh, sorry about that. So, let's uh, let's look at the next player. We'll talk about Kyron Williams and what he can bring. So, now, let's take a look at the next player here. And that was at pick 211. Quentin Lake at UCLA, guy that scouts are basically calling Jordan Fuller 2.0. When I watch the tape, I see Jordan Fuller. I see John Johnson. I see a Ram safety. I'll go as far as to say when we interviewed him, I basically said, I I turned to Alexis after the uh, interview and said, that guy's going to be a Ram. He had not met with the Rams at that point, but I just felt like that guy's going to be a Ram. So, I was pretty excited about that move as I bring on Peo. How's it going, Peo? Welcome to Ram's Edge, and thank you for calling in. Hey, Jake, how's it going? Yeah, just uh, 
saw you were doing this show tonight and thought, hey, I got a Friday night just chillaxing and uh, thought I'd call in, check it out. Um, but I, I am uh, curious. I'm, I'm sorry I'm late to the conversation if you've already touched on this. No um, worries. I'd love to know, love to know your thoughts. Um, you know, la- last summer, you know, there were some pretty good uh, camp battles. Uh, you know, obviously the punter showdown between uh, Bojo and Hecker. Um, you still there, Pao? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I think it cut you out. Oh. I heard uh, the punter competition, and then it cut out. Okay, sorry. I'm I'm just curious on your thought. What you think some of the best positional battles will be uh, this summer for the Rams? Um, I I was kind of mentioning like obviously the secondary looks in play, but where else do you see? Yeah, I think you know obviously like you touched on the secondary would be the biggest one, right? Because you know you have all those guys added anytime you get you know that many. Petitions to to look at um, offensive line. I mean, let, let's talk about that for a second. You look at, yeah. you know, obviously Bobby Evans. Is he going to make the roster? He's a third round pick yeah. from 2019. Will be a free agent after the season. So he's the guy I look at. He's probably on the end of the roster. Whether he's going to make it or not is up in the air. Um, and he's a guard tackle. You have Chandler Brewer, Max Percher will be back on the practice squad because of the. Uh, you know, the international player um, transfer program. And then you have Jack Snyder, who is an intriguing San Jose State UDFA guard who I like and I think has a really good shot making the roster. You have Jeremiah Cologne, who's really just stuck on the roster like a cockroach. So <laughs> there are <laughs> there are uh, a, a bit there at, in the guard room. Um, you look at tight end, I think they're pretty good there. I don't think anybody... You know, I think they'll probably call Jacob Harris a tight end when they go to fill out their roster card, but he's going to play receiver. And then I think running back, that's intriguing because Mm. you add Kyron to Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers, but you also have Jake Funk, who's the seventh-round pick in 2021. He actually played decent snaps. Um, You have Xavier Jones, who, before anybody, uh, you know, talks about him, it's important to add some context. Xavier Jones has familiarity with the running back coach because the running back coach was originally the recruiter, the head of recruiting at SMU, Rashad Samples. So he knows Xavier Jones. So that is intriguing, you know, at the very least. I'm not, obviously I'm not going to try to get him in trouble for something he didn't do, but there could be some, you know, familiarity facting in there. And then uh, Raymond Collette. You know, I think Raymond Collet, he's a guy that they really liked in last year's draft. They got him. They claimed him right off of waivers when Tampa cut him. And he then gets hurt. But he's somebody they looked at. Um, I think he was more so the return specialist. So I don't think he really has a pathway on the roster. So probably not as competitive as the secondary where you have safety and corners. going to be a crazy battle. Uh, there's a mini battle in the linebacker room between Jake Hummel and Christian Roseboom. I don't know if they keep four linebackers or five. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, if they keep five, it annihilates that. But if they don't and they only keep four, I think Jake Hummel can knock Christian Roseboom off the roster. Uh, his ability to play in special teams, 
I have him as a sixth round grade coming out of Iowa State. Played in, you know, he was a captain, played a big role for that defense. So don't rule him out. And then I think, you know, the interior defensive line will be fun because you have Sean, you have Greg, and of course you have Aaron Donald. Then you have yeah. Bobby Brown. He's not going anywhere. Fourth round pick they really like in 2021. You have Ernest Brown the fourth. I don't know where they stand on him. I don't know where they see him playing, where they see him fitting in. He's an option. Then you have Marquise Copeland. I think he is guaranteed to make the roster. After that is Michael Hoyt back, is Jonah Williams. Uh, they added Dion Noble in the uh, UDFA process, as well as Elijah Garcia from Rice, uh, Keir Thomas from Florida State. So I think the defensive line room is pretty open uh, in that regard, depending on how many guys they keep. And then, Pale, I'll, I'll wrap it up. I mean, the the outside linebacker room is crazy. I mean, hmm. you really think about it. You got Floyd, you got Terrell Lewis, you got Justin Hollins, then you got Chris Garrett. You know, you still have Anthony Hines. You know, you add Daniel Hardy in the seventh round of this draft. You add UDFAs and Braden Thomas and Benton Whitley and Andre Hughes Murray. I think that is a room that might be more competitive than maybe we realize. So a lot of competition, honestly. And I think that's really the Rams want to have in any other way. Oh, absolutely. Oh, lo- love what you're, you're preaching, Jake. Preaching, man. Lo- love it. <laughs> love hearing your thoughts, especially, uh, you know, you know that I love hearing you talk about the big boys, the O-line. Uh, <laughs> definitely good stuff. Um, one other thing that I'm sure some other people won't call in, uh, would love to know your thoughts on, and this is more of a fun thing, uh, did you hear that SoFi Stadium is going to be used for a Nerf war? A Nerf war? Yeah, it's, it's like this big like publicity thing. I did not hear that. Because I was yeah. always wondering if SoFi Stadium would host a national title game uh, for college basketball. Like a Final oh, Four. That would be sick, yeah. So I, I heard they can't do it because it's an outdoor venue, oh. technically. With an, you know, with a canopy, but yeah, so far I, I know that they'll be getting like they'll begin the national title game for college football, and they'll get stuff like that. But no, I haven't heard of the Nerf War. No, no I haven't. Yeah, not. it's I, I I thought it was a joke at first, but like it seems like there's some actual validity to it. So it's sort of a weird thing. Anyway, yeah, it's kind of funny. that is that that is definitely weird. Um, yeah, you, if you want to stay in in chat, because you know I I haven't really. I've been getting some callers, but, you know, obviously until I get the next caller, you know, you, you can just chill here if you want. But um, I was going to talk about uh, the next few picks and what I see as their roles yeah. in this upcoming season. Dude, let's let's go through them. Yeah. Awesome. So so we, we did go all the way past Kyron Williams. We were at Quentin Lake. Um, so I'm just going to ask you before we move on to Darion Kendrick, because I think Quentin Lake's a stud. I think he'll eventually be a starter. Just the way the the Rams utilize safeties, they it's kind of like a, a long. They play the long game, they develop them slowly, and then mm. they just kind of plug in play right there, um, similar to Nick Scott. But you know, moving on to Darren. Before we move on to Darren Kendrick, where do you see Quentin Lake his role in year one versus say you know his contract year? Do you think this is somebody that? comes in right away, he's a special teams ace like I tend to believe, and then eventually becomes a starter down the line? Or where do you see, you know, his role down the line being for the Rams? So something I love about 
this um this Rams regime is they like they're so good at developing talent and I really appreciate that because we don't pick players in the first round there there's almost this like kind of like weight lifted off them like the the reality is you know picking players later in the draft it gives them more opportunities to really hone in and learn their craft so as I look up Quentin Lake, and, and again, I, I saw, I know you guys uh, had a, a, an interview with him on, on, on downtown Rams, which was great. Um, and then when he was drafted, it, it was, I, I appreciate your reaction on the live stream with him when he got drafted. But <laughs> I, I think that the, as I look up Quentin Lake, you see a safety that like he can come in there and I, I do believe he's a playmaker. Um, kind of, you know, someone who can go in there definitely is going to get some playing time, but I don't necessarily see him, you know, as a starter right away. And and I would even be surprised if we, you know, saw him very much the first kind of six, seven weeks of the season um, and that he would just get kind of integrated more and more injuries happen. And one thing that like in my kind of draft breakdown that I did that I noticed is this Rams front office really came into the draft um, with a plan to address the secondary because in this league, there is such a talent discrepancy between wide receiving cores and the secondaries. Um, there's way more talented wide receiving cores than there are talented secondaries in the NFL. Mm. And I, I just think that if your team gets decimated by injuries in the secondary it, it just puts you at such a disadvantage. And when you look at the competition, the quarterbacks, the wide receivers that the Rams have to face next year, I, I just think the Rams saw their roster and they're like, we do not want to be in a situation where we're just picking up guys off the street that don't know our system. And, and, and not necessarily that every secondary player is going to make the team, but just having people that are integrated into the Rams culture, their system – it, it kind of creates plan B, C's, and D's if, you know, injuries and things that happen throughout the season, right? So a little more yeah. kind of – I believe that – I heard Sean McVay say it once a long time ago that, like, if you're always prepared, then you never have to get ready. Um, and so something along those lines. I like that. Uh, I actually really like that. Um, that definitely sounds like McVay. So <laughs> that uh, – yeah. no, it's a – it's a good point. I mean, you know, I, I never really looked at – it's not that Quinton Lake couldn't come in and start right away if they absolutely need him to, but it's that he doesn't really have to. I mean, I think the Rams have plenty of depth at safety. When you're talking about, you know, during that whole time, you know, when I brought up Tyron Matthew, for instance, I thought it was an intriguing idea because there's a lot of uncertainty, kind of similar with the running back room. There's a lot of injury history with the safeties. So yeah. – that was really my thing there, but I actually like that they tackled in the draft. Now, I was a little surprised they got Russ East, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, um, but yeah, I think Quentin Lake is somebody who comes in right away, can play special teams, has the NFL bloodline. His father was Carnell Lake, uh, you know, who was with the Steelers, I believe the Raiders. Um, really good football player. So, I mean, the bloodline matters, I think. Yeah. Uh, it, it does help. And so the, the Rams, it definitely mattered to them. And yeah. I'll say... When you look at Lake, I think he's in line to be very similar to Jordan Fuller if the Rams didn't have 
because uh, like remember when they had Fuller, they needed a starter, right? Yeah. They needed him to come in and be the guy. Mm-hmm. Now I don't feel like they need a starter, so it might honestly bode well. You know, it might go better for a guy like Quentin Lake who can kind of wait. Taylor Rapp and Nick Scott are free agents after the season. You know, then you have Burgess and Fuller are free agents after the season after this. So, I mean, the door is going to open up for Quentin Lake, I think. The Rams typically don't pay safeties. So, I'm very excited to see where his football future is. Because I I don't think he is dominant in any area. But I think he's a very well-rounded prospect for a guy you're getting at 211. um, Is what I would say. And then, moving on to Darian Kendrick... Uh, you know, I, I think this is somebody they drafted and hear me out because I'm not trying to hate on the guy, but they drafted him knowing that he's probably like not going to be on 75% of teams boards because of yeah. his off the field stuff, you know, getting dismissed from the Clemson program, uh, you know, being found in a car at you know 3 a.m. with a gun in his hand it's stuff like that scares teams away. Right. Yeah. And so. I'm thinking that the Rams drafted him, and I know you typically don't want to ever cut draft picks, but they'd be they'd get away with it because if the Rams cut him, as sad as this sounds, if they cut Darion Kendrick, it kind of signals to the rest of the league, okay, so that didn't work out. Glad we yeah. didn't take that. But then now you have an opportunity, if all those teams are saying that, you have an opportunity to sneak him back on the practice squad. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he's yeah. got enough red flags for teams that didn't do the due diligence like the Rams to be concerned. So yeah, I think he's a guy that can not easily bring back. I'm sure a team could be interested, but I think he is a guy that you could potentially bring back easier than most draft picks, I think, would have been. So, yeah, uh, and it's interesting to me, like, what when you think about like that's just sort of next level like scouting and if you, and I know it's speculation but it's an it's I, I think it's a good spec um to to kind of think about like planning like okay if we sign this guy and we have to cut him is there a good chance we get him on the practice squad he's not scooped up by another team yeah that's good no I like that well you know we we, we try over here <laughs> yeah. but uh you know, it's just something that came to mind. And I kind of look at Darion Kendrick as a guy that makes a lot of sense for, you know, a pick 212. At this point, you're either getting guys that you have highly on your UDFA board that you don't want to negotiate and you just know it, you know, they're going to sign elsewhere because there's more opportunity. Or you're going after a guy that has a potential high ceiling. And I think with Kendrick, you're getting a guy that, as much as you want to critique him as far as the decision making, maybe off the field. He did go to Georgia. Kirby mm-hmm. Smart, you know, who just won a national title, did decide to bring him on. He did start at Georgia in the he had a big time role and in the semifinal game in the college football playoff, he scores two interceptions on Michigan to send them to the championship game which they win. I mean, in a way, it kind of shows you. I mean, there's always the concern, you know, just cuz He's good now doesn't mean he won't screw up down the line. But, I mean, Darion Kendrick against top-notch competition is top as it gets, SEC level. You know, he played in giant games, national title, wins a national title, plays in the SEC. 
And you're sitting there thinking, okay, well, this guy kind of proved himself in a sense. So he falls to pick 212 here. You know, I don't know what the risk factor is at that point, because this is somebody that was talked about as a first, second round talent who falls because of bad testing and off the field issues. But the Rams have already checked the box off as off the field issues don't bother them. So I think this is somebody that is probably looking at practice squad, but I do not have any issues with them picking a guy like that. And Mm -hmm. I think he very well could find his way on the active roster as the season goes on. So obviously the hope is that if he gets cut, he'd be back on the practice squad because you don't want to lose a draft pick. But Peo, I think it's very likely this guy is going to be around for a while. I just don't think he is even close to starting at this point because of all the guys ahead of him. Interesting. Yeah. I, um, I, I, I had another, do you mind if I, I pivot ever so slightly a little bit? Yeah. Is so one, uh, one thing that I've been talking about with, with some other Rams fans is, uh, there doesn't seem to be much conversation between, um, John Wolford or Bryce Perkins in the, the quarterback kind of, you know, behind Stafford, obviously. And some Ram fans, you know, hit on, on, on John for his performance, but, you know, we all know he, he wasn't brought in to win those games. Like he, he was brought in to do very little things at the end of those games last year. Um, yeah. But like, do you think there's any chance for, I know you're a big fan of Bryce Perkins and, and I loved your interview with him last year. Um, do you think there's any chance for for Perkins to kind of hop step uh, John Wolford? I think there is. Um, I'm not saying he will, but I'm sure there's a chance because you know right now the Rams they're talking about bringing in you know a camp arm to battle uh, Perkins, which tells me that it's not that they're soured on Perkins; it's that they would like to give him some competition, push him a little bit, see how much further he can develop, yeah. but. We haven't seen, and they haven't seen, him in camp. So it's been a year. And now you have another camp battle. You have another preseason. Maybe the Rams stick around with Wolford. Um, I wouldn't rule out, you know, you know how I am with the USFL. I wouldn't rule out anybody from the USFL. Um, You know, obviously, I love my guy, Kyle Sloter. I think he would be awesome for them. I think Jordan Taamu. I think uh, Brian Scott, Luis Perez to come back into the Rams. Uh, I think there's some guys out there. And so it begs the question, do they go that route? Do they stick with Wolford? But then on top of it, is there any way for Perkins, should he have a really good camp to push the Rams to be like, all right, we got to play John in, in preseason and see, you know, where this guy's at. And, if that's the case, then maybe, you know, Perkins has a chance to knock him off the roster because I don't know about you, and, and we'll we'll do it on Sunday. Um, we're going to do a way-too-early 53-man roster on this <laughs> channel. Um, so I'm excited for that right on this show. But cool. I already figured out what I want to do, and I found the most difficult thing was that I think they keep three quarterbacks – and I think that's what's making it really difficult for a guy like Darion Kendrick to make it, for a guy like Russ Yeast to make it, uh, for Ernest Brown to make it. Like, guys like that, is it worth keeping another quarterback on the roster and letting a guy like that that could actually play a role when you're really not super likely to see the third-string quarterback? Most teams don't even carry one. Is it, like... 
you know what I mean? Like, are they really going to repeat that again? Because obviously yeah. Perkins will have value. There's pro scouts around the league that are probably telling everyone, hey, Perkins is the real deal. We got to get this guy. So it's definitely interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I – like, ultimately, you know, it, it's one of those things you, you want your backup to never have to play <laughs> um, yeah. in, in meaningful football. But it, it, I it, I think it is a fair criticism that, like, if Stafford ever have to had to miss time, do you have confidence that you have a guy that can go in and win a game or two? Um, you know, we, we you know we saw that with the Cardinals last year. Colt McCoy came in and, and had to win some games for them. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, also, I know it's it's not specifically Rams related directly, but I'd love to know your thoughts on. Uh, do you think it's all media hype about the Trey Lance being unimpressed, or do you think there's is smoke there, fire there, or just like media hype? You know, stuff like that, when that, that comes to, you know, comes out, right? Um, yeah. it, it could be a Jimmy G uh, GM, or, or could, uh, agent, sorry. It could be Jimmy G's agent um, trying to drive up his price, yeah. you know. It, stuff like that, it, it's really hard to determine because you could see how, okay, yeah, that's why, okay, that, yeah, we're going to avoid that. But at the same time, you know, maybe sometimes there's validity to it. I'll say this right now. Trey Lance is, if you look at all the quarterbacks that are coming out of this draft, Trey Lance is the youngest. So that, yeah, like if he was in this draft, he would have been the youngest quarterback. That says something to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that there is, you know, there's always going to be, but I I just think there is a little bit of kind of like a, I don't know, this, this kind of thing out there where the 49ers made a big pick. They traded all those assets to get him. And I feel like a lot of people want it to fail. So they they say stuff like that. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, no, that's, that's fair. And like, I, I think it's one of those things where like, you really can't put any weight behind that until you actually see him on the field, you know, and, and we saw pieces of him, you know, last year, but like, I, I wouldn't say enough of a sample size to really say like, Oh, you know, it was a bust or anything like that. Like, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm looking forward to seeing Trey Lance um, as a football fan. And uh, I, I'm hoping that we don't have to wait too late in the year to see the Niners. Cause uh, I'd love to play them earlier in this year. <laughs> that would make sense. That, that would absolutely make sense. And uh, you know, kind of following that up um, cause we only have three picks to go. I want to get your thoughts on right. the guy that I actually just interviewed, Daniel Hardy. Oh, wait, did that just drop on your channel? It did not just drop on my channel. We just interviewed him. So that'll be out relatively soon. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, like, okay. I'm, I am one of those patient Rams fans uh, to, to a degree of like, like I'm, I'm still excited for Tutu Atwell that we drafted in the second round. I haven't given up on him. Um, I'm a firm believer that young players can get better. And for a guy like Daniel Hardy, who, you know, drafted late in the, in the draft, like 
like your expectations aren't going to be like, oh, Daniel Hardy's going to come in, light up the league on fire. He's going to like have this historic story, write the screenplay, make the movie about it. I don't know. Um, but do I believe he has the talent from, from the very limited research and highlights I've done on him and not nearly as much as you and the DTR team? Um, you know, I think it was a good pick. Um, I, I think, you know, we, we needed someone who can come in, help out in, you know, in a, probably a rotational role. Um, and yeah, I like, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not sad about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think this is, uh, somebody that's got a lot of upside, um, incredible athleticism. Um, so I think he's kind of like Chris Garrett last year. Except mm. what I think you're getting with him is just a way better athlete. And he's ready to play special teams. I mean, he just told us he's all about playing special teams. So, That's cool. That's awesome. You know, I'm looking forward to seeing that interview. Oh, man. Yeah. So, I mean, guys like that, they just they don't come around very often. Guys that want to play special teams like that after they just had, you know, 15 and a half sacks or whatever he just had last year. I mean, that – that speaks volumes that like, you know, he cares about the little things he cares about, you know, we asked him what his goal was and he just wants to get on the 46. Notice he didn't say 53, the 46. He wants to be an active guy in the roster. I like that. I I do too. And so I feel like he's going to be wicked hard to keep off the roster. And I think he's going to be wicked hard to not have on game days because you know, the special teams coordinator, Dave Camillus, loved his uh, special teams tape. So, you know, I didn't even really have that. I, I only looked at him as a pass rusher, you know, and I just think he he has a chance to be really good with what's around him. And he's not just some guy in college. Like, this guy had – he was all big sky. Like, this guy had, you know, really good production. So First team, yeah. I, I think he is a day one special teams contributor – um, that will be a surprise active, I think, for some people as a seventh rounder. But I think he can work his way into being a starting outside linebacker. Very cool. Do so when you interviewed him, like, what's the vibe you got from him? Like, I I only briefly saw his his press conference, so I haven't seen that much of him. But like, did did you get the sense that like this guy has grit? This guy has like he wears that seventh round title on his chest and wants to wants to do everything he can to succeed. Well, yeah, I mean, I think he he's ready, you know, and, and he's he's a nice guy. I think he's humble, but I think he's ready to go to work. I think he's ready to be around, you know, big talent, and it meant a lot to him that the Super Bowl team, you know, decided to pick him. Yeah. So... Yeah, I'm excited for Daniel Hardy. Uh, you know, I think he's going to have a significant role on special teams. And then down the road, I think, you know, Dad Bogardis, who he said is the only contact he had throughout the entire draft process. Um, you know, I think he's going to play a big role in his development. So at 235, he was picked. Then at 253, they picked Russ Yeast, who his father, Craig Yeast, was drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals in the fourth round. Uh, back in the day, um, what did you think about this pick? Because you know, for me, I, I like this is a guy that I think could come in right away and play special teams. If there were, you know, 
like a you know room for him. I, I just don't think there's enough room for him with what they added in the back end and the secondary path. Uh, I'm sorry, Jake. You broke up. For, uh, it sounded like you were in a rainstorm or something. There. You, um, could you repeat what you just said? <laughs> no, it's funny. It sounded like you were too. Um, oh, no, yeah. I was just. <laughs> I was just um, asking you what your thoughts were on Russ East and if you think he has a role in the uh, active roster. Because for, for me, I see him and Darion Kendrick getting cut. I think they're practice squad guys. But there's just yeah. it's because they added so much to the secondary. I just don't know. Unless they trade a wrap away or a David Long, I, I don't know how those guys make the roster. Which a lot of Rams fans would be happy that they they traded Taylor Rapp if that ever happened. <laughs> the poor guy. Uh, yeah, uh, you know I I have a soft spot for Rapp because he is, his dad's Canadian, so I have a soft spot for him. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, in terms of Rush Yeast, um, I don't have a ton of opinions about him that are that strong. Similar to like, I believe he's a young player that's been given an incredible opportunity of a lifetime. Um, I loved his tweet that he finished his master's degree. So like, that's cool. That's, that's, uh, you, you always, I don't know. I, I like seeing intelligent people do, you know, well in life. And so it's, uh, it's, it's exciting to see him, you know, complete his master's degree and he'll go on to get an opportunity with an NFL team, let alone our favorite team, the LA Rams. Um, but again, I, I think he's someone that, you know, He's been given a chance, and it depends on what he he does with it. But again, as a seventh round talent, you just never know, right? Like y- your expectations are like pretty low. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I think the NFL background and the fact that he got his master's degree—I mean, he might be a little too smart for football. I don't know if you've ever heard that <laughs> before, but yeah, you know, he might not play ten years having a master's degree but yeah <laughs> what was his know, master's degree in even it, yeah i mean i think i don't know i i think with with rust yeast i mean he's got some good tape ball hawk you know but I, I just i have concerns based on who they already have on the roster i just don't know if mm-hmm. they'll allocate that much space for him so i guess what i would say as far as a role since we're assigning everybody a role I'd say his would be special teams uh, if he makes the roster, but likely practice squad scout team type of guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I could see that for sure. And then the last one here, as we wrap this thing up, uh, AJR Curie. I'm curious uh, what you think about him because I like him. Yeah. A little bit more than I realized because I didn't realize he was the guy that was you know, plowing away and, uh, you know, generating all those uh, those gaps for, you know, somebody like uh, Kenneth Walker to run right through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, again, I, I think coming into this draft, um, O-line had to be addressed. And so, we you know, obviously, Breast of Bless was a great third-round pick. Um, but when, with Whitworth retiring and also not drafting any O-linemen in last year's draft, it's just sort of like the talent funnel, right? You you need to have linemen that are developing. Maybe they're not starters. And so using your final pick of the draft on, you know, a tackle that has, you know, what I believe to be high upside, um, I think it was a great pick. And I think it was like the second last pick of the draft. So I'm cool with that. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, you're getting a guy that could be a developmental offensive tackle, uh, right tackle. I think he yeah. could take over for Havenstein if, uh, you know, they, they're able to develop him in that way. But he's somebody that's like a really good college player that just, you know, scouts didn't really see as like a really good NFL player. But I, mm-hmm. I still feel like those guys have a role in the NFL. And this, don't be surprised if he ends up being a starter down the road. So I think his role, I think he makes the roster day one. Um, I think he's going to add some depth. I don't know if he'll be an active every week, but I think over time, you know, you, you could be looking at him as a potential, uh, you know, a guy that at least fights for a starting job down the road. He's a tackle to me. I don't see any, uh, you know, flexibility to move that six, seven body to guard, but, um, I really did like that pick because he's a guy they really liked in UDFA and they knew they just weren't going to be able to get him. So they said, you know what? Let's just draft him at the yeah. second to last pick. Oh, yeah, that's cool. And like, I, I would love to know, like, I know draft grades, it, it, I, that's my thing after the draft. Like, I'm one of those people that's like, draft grades immediately after the draft are kind of pointless, but like, they're nice for talking points. Um, yeah. But like, w- would you? Would you give this, you know, a a B plus, a minus, a draft? Like, I would say it's a B plus. Um, you know, I think you get a, a bunch of starters. Half your class is going to be future starters, in my opinion. Yeah. So, anytime okay. you do that without a, a first and a second round pick, yeah. and really a third round pick, because they got a compensatory third round that they used. Yeah. So, when you don't pick in the first three rounds, technically and you come away with more than half your draft class is starters, uh, at least future starters, that is pretty impressive. I'm yeah. not going to lie. So I did really like that they, they were able to do that. Um, cool. You know, so so I would say it's a B plus, you know. But, I mean, we'll see. You know, the only way to know how well a draft went is, uh, you know, to wait three years and yeah. sometimes four <laughs> Sometimes even well, five. <laughs> well, well, like it's crazy to me. So, like something I loved about this pre-draft process is I, I did a little, like a lot better of a job educating myself on the Rams draft history, draft tendencies, things like that. And so that's that's kind of why I learned a bit. And yeah, I love love when I the the coolest thing I learned through it all. And when you look at the you know the Rams roster, and a lot of people talk about the trades or the big signings or something. But in the McSneed era of drafting, um, from 2018 till 20, uh, not including 2021's draft class, but any of the, the previous drafts to that, um, they drafted 28 players. Um, out of that, 21 of the 28 made what I would say some kind of contribution to this year's Super Bowl run. That's how you win a Super Bowl, Right. It, yeah, it's it's hitting on, you know, those late round talents that no one else thought to draft sooner. Um, and so, either, you know, I'm, I'm I have faith in this this, you know, scouting department in this front office. I think we have great leadership, which is such a blessing because we're following this team for years and we know it hasn't always been there. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just I love having a confident front office. 
I do too. I, I was saying it in the car uh, with my father today. I was like, you know what? Th- this team has now turned us into greedy people. You know, yeah. we're sitting there and, you know, I can't even imagine thinking, you know, back in the day when Jeff Fisher was the head football coach and Les needed just taken the job or even you want to go back to Spags or, you know, any of them. Uh, I can't even imagine the thought that the Rams would be able to get a guy like Bobby Wagner in free agency, like have him want to go there. I can't yeah. even imagine the thought of having Odell Beckham Jr. want to come here. I, I can't even imagine that. Like, because all I really think about is when I, I think to myself, I'm like, I remember back when this team had the whole fan base staying up late every night waiting for Jake Long to sign a contract. And Jake Long was the left tackle who had injury troubles and led to the franchise quarterback getting hurt in preseason. Like, that is literally where we were at at that point. So, well, do, you, do you remember getting excited when the Rams signed Mike Sims Walker? I do remember liking I, that pickup. <laughs> Him, Drew Bennett, Jared Cook, I remember trying to justify it, not knowing how, but, yeah. you know. Well, and, and I, I still think going back to those days, the like clearly in the Fisher area, like Jeff Fisher couldn't find an offensive coordinator to save his life or an offensive scheme. Um, yeah, he that was just he was incapable of that. Yeah, yeah, sure. and and I think we did have some talent. Um, I I think you know Amendola really was a a, a a great talent. Just couldn't stay healthy when he was with the Rams. Uh, I know you love I, I love your 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 rants about Denario Alexander would have been the next Randy Moss. Um, he would have. I swear. You know, I know. I, I don't disagree with that. Just the, you know, the <laughs> staying on the field healthy was the issue, and getting a quarterback that could consist. Like I remember getting stoked for Austin Davis, like when he had like his I loved Austin Davis when he had like his one touchdown that was like. He like did a 360, planted his back foot and delivered a dart. Loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. The, the I don't want to say the good old days because it's like where where we are, but the days. Well, yeah, the days. No, I, I, I hear you. And and somehow, some way, part of me still likes those players. You know, I, I yeah. still remember wanting Marty Gilliard, a fourth round pick out of Cincinnati, to be good. I still remember, you know, being excited. Uh, for, you know, Keenan Burton. You know, I, I remember the Rams acquiring those guys and hoping that they would end up good. But here's the thing that we found is that it's not just drafting that the Rams do so well in as we wrap this thing up. Uh, yeah. It is really, at the end of the day, it's not just drafting. Because you can draft players. You can find mm-hmm. players. You know what I think is the big thing that the Rams are finding? They're finding players that are coachable. Yeah. They, you know, yeah. Because if a player can't meet you halfway, preach, preach. You know, if a player can't meet you in the middle, if they can't put in half of the work that your coaching staff is going to put in, then you can't get that hundred percent. Because it, they got to meet you halfway. You know, mm-hmm. you you got to okay, all right. So I'm not doing this right. I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna listen to coach. Some of these guys just aren't coachable because what it comes down to is. You know, it's easy to be a hot shot in your, you know, scenario. You're coming from, you know, your college where everyone knows your name, small college. And then you go to the NFL and you're like, oh, wow, I'm one of like a bunch of people. And then you don't ever really grasp that concept and you just continue to do things your way and you don't follow the coaching staff's recommendations. You don't 
put on weight, you don't lose weight, you don't train, you're not in the building, you're not the first one in the building, the last one out. I'm not saying everybody's like that, right? But, you know, I do think the Rams have found guys, and based on some of the guys we've actually interviewed, you know, draft picks, they've found guys that are very coachable, very likable, and just good people. And I think, you know, guys that keep their nose clean, guys that are willing to learn, uh, you know, guys that are that, that have a skill set because I mean you could get the most coachable guy ever, but if he's not talented, it's not really going to go that far. So I think they do a nice job of getting all those. You know, I think they they do a little bit of they they get all of them. So yeah, they, they may not draft the guy you and I want, right? Uh, occasionally they might, but most of the time they're not going to. Um, however, you know, I think it's gotten to the point where they're doing it the right way. You know, it's it, we may say F them picks, but the picks are what allows them to do this. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's how I'll wrap this up. I think that was a good way to close it out. Cool, but, Payo, appreciate you joining. Appreciate Hugh oh. joining earlier. Appreciate Logan joining. It's been a lot of fun. Um, be sure to to check out our next show. Uh, we will have a show on Sunday, and we'll be talking about the 53, way too early, 53-man roster for the Rams. Ooh, but spicy. that is going to do it for me. So you can follow me at J.K. Bogan for all of your, uh, I don't know, Rams, MCU, whatever you want to like talk about. I'm, I'm on there. Um, and you can also find me on my YouTube channel, Jake Allen Bogan, just search it. Mainly a Rams channel at this point, so I'm sure you guys would be interested in that if you haven't checked it out already. And also you can find uh, my Downtown Rams podcast I host with Alexis Kraft over on uh, all podcast platforms, as well as this. Believe it or not, Peo, you are now uh, a part of a podcast. When this uh, this drops, uh, you can go and subscribe to the Rams Edge with Jake Allenbogen podcast, and you will be right there. Cool. All right. Well, folks, it's been a blast uh, hanging out with you on a Friday night. I hope everyone has a safe night and uh, enjoys the rest of it. Go and check out Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness. Highly recommend if you haven't already. And uh, be sure to check out our Daniel Hardy interview that will be dropping on my YouTube uh, momentarily. So that's going to do it for me. You guys take care, and I'll see you guys soon. Later. Yeah.